thank you for the interesting discussion and thank you, Mirel, for, for giving the floor. So, uh, our section would be about uh, share options. Uh, maybe not very, initially, maybe not sounding very important topic, uh, but uh, somehow it has become more and more important when, uh, when Estonian companies are flipping to the US or when US investors are, are coming in, either as shareholders or sometimes just as an investor. So, uh, this, this can be maybe described the best by the um, uh, latest birth of Estonian unicorn and newspapers, newspaper articles about that, uh, which uh, highlighted it as a very, very big event for Estonia, which it indeed was. But uh, somehow share options got uh, share option topics got a uh, lot of attention, starting from 66% uh, uh, tax risk and uh, guiding employees through the environment of that tax risk and managing the fares, also having tax certainties by asking binding rulings uh, from tax board, which eventually can delay the whole deal and so on and so forth. So. Um, it's, uh, it has becoming uh, more interesting uh, question over time to understand why it is so, why we face those uh, mismatches, so to speak, why we see those issues, why we have those uh, US and Baltic questions and US investors coming in. So this is what we try to answer or discuss a bit in this panel. Uh, first, I would uh, like to give floor back to Davi again. So Davi have prepared some great slides about uh, about share options from the US side. So uh, Davi, please, I give the floor to you. All right, let me uh, see if I can get my slides up again. So my, um, I'll try to take about 15 minutes for um, the timer on talking about how um, U.S. companies view um, equity incentives that they grant to their employees. And that uh, relates to both um, uh, startups, but also mature companies, because we talk about really two scenarios here. One is um, when you flip to the U.S. or when you come to the U.S. and you start issuing stock options or other equity incentives, from your um, top code, US top code, to your employees all around the, all around the world. Um, uh, because the feature of having a US parent company means that your equity incentives, your, your uh, options or other incentives are going to come from the US parent company. And then I'm going to talk about a little bit um, how other companies view it, because what Kaido already uh, suggested, the, the challenges may come when they, the, the foreign um, uh, company acquires the Estonian company and uses its kind of more, more mature company uses its equity incentives for um, for its worldwide employees. So um, um, I'll start with what is standard in in the U.S. for startups when you when you set up a company, what the investors expect and what your U.S. employees would expect. The standard for that level is uh, stock options. Which, um, is, which allows the recipient, the employee, to purchase shares for a predetermined exercise price. There are two types of those. Some of these are um, um, uh, incentive stock options, which are limited to employees, and others are so-called non-qualified stock options. On paper, they look very similar, and the difference is in tax consequences. Um, uh, ISOs are different. Um, have different tax consequences for both employees and the company. Um, so when I'm talking why um, the options are used and what and what the employees would expect from those options, it really matters which which kinds are given. The other alternative that startups use, especially in very early stages, are restricted stock. Um, and I'll, I'll get there shortly. Why only in early stages? which basically means that you, the employee gets shares of the company, but the, the employee cannot do anything with the shares until um, they, they have vested, until certain, usually some, certain time has passed or some performance criteria met. 
But then once uh, the vesting has occurred, they, the employees will actually become shareholders without any further action. I mean, they, they are shareholders already when they grant them, but they can actually have the shares free and clear, so to say. So investors in the U.S. startups usually expect startups uh, to set aside a certain percentage of the um, capital table, uh, capitalization table, for those equity incentives to employees. Um, I put here 10 to 20 percent. There is a fair amount of variation in, depending on where you are. West Coast equity incentive pools tend to be significantly higher than Midwest or East Coast equity incentives. Uh, so I'm in St. Louis. I, I work um, with companies on um, all around both West Coast, East Coast, and Midwest. And I, I can definitely see that um, uh, the more West you go, the more um, um, uh, the equity incentives, uh, the, the larger the pool is. All right, let's go to the next slide. So when stock options are given, there are some very standard terms that um, startups are expected to use for granting stock options. They are memorialized also in those um, in this package of five main investment documents, um, so-called MSA forms, where investors say that your stock options have to meet those following um, um, uh, terms. They're usually time-based vesting, four-year vesting schedule with one-year cliff. Investors hate accelerated vesting provisions, meaning that if the company sold in year two, the employees should not get shares worth of four years of vesting. Um, uh, they very often do, uh, but if the acquirer wants to roll over some of those options, then the acquirer um, has the chance to do it um, uh, and, and keep the vesting schedule for the old options in place. Next one is what is maybe one of the bigger differences between U.S. and what I've seen in Baltics is in the U.S., the exercise price of your normal stock options has to equal at least the fair market value of a share of common stock on date of grant. It's heavily driven by tax rules. Um, uh, it relates to deferred compensation rules. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail why that is the case, but um, uh, we'll, we'll touch on a related point shortly. So when options are granted, the companies are expected by investors at least past the very earliest stages to obtain an independent third-party valuation opinion, so-called 409A valuation, that establishes that what the fair market value of the share of common stock is. I mean, obviously, it's, it's just a, an opinion. But what it, what it, why it's important is that for IRS, the tax authorities, the, the, the IRS will defer to that valuation uh, and they will say, okay, you have satisfied this rule. If your exercise price is lower, just nominal value or even just a, a cent lower than, than the fair market value, it brings with it tremendously um, bad tax consequences. And when investors um, do due diligence with you, they usually will, one of the questions is, can you share all your 409A valuations with us? Just to make sure that you've done it. And uh, then they will compare the option agreements to make sure that the options have been granted at that value. The um, options have a 10-year term. Uh, often you must exercise within a certain time period after termination of employment. Um, it's required for um, incentive stock option treatment, but very often all option holders are required to do it. Um, usually it's three month period. Um, that, that is changing and has changed. Many companies are being more generous to their employees saying, okay, we don't force you to exercise because exercising an option means that, the, and we'll get there shortly as well, you at least have to pay the exercise price. But even worse, uh, in many cases, you also have to pay taxes. Um, at least for non-qualified stock options. So th those three key terms are used for U.S. employees, and uh, and um, they, they are very standard. For employees outside U.S., many companies prefer, and many investors prefer, the employees to have the same terms. Companies typically do use supplements to their um, the plan, the equity incentive plan, to provide for any country-specific terms or country-specific rules. Um, um, I know Estonian uh, option agreements that I've seen always have something about the three-year holding period. 
um, uh, and how to deal with these. Um, uh, I, I've heard there are different rules in different other countries. Uh, I, I've had an Israeli subsidiary uh, where the Israeli employees have to um, deposit their options in a trust and, and, and the plan has to be registered with the Israeli tax authorities. So we would, in the US plan, we would, with the Israeli council, we would then adopt certain specific rules for Israeli options to get the favorable tax treatment there. Right. Um, so how are the options taxed? Because here is where, um, uh, both for the startups, but also upon acquisition, we run into difficulties. So on all stock options, there is no income tax on grant or vesting, uh, so long as they meet those deferred comp rules, uh, the fair market value of exercise price, and so forth. So um, um, in setting stock options are not taxable even upon exercise. So there is no tax even when you exercise. Although um, what the US does is there are so-called alternative minimum tax rules that ensure that high income individuals don't pay too little tax. And uh, exercise of insane stock options are taken into account in that calculation and you end up actually potentially paying taxes on exercise of all stock options through those special rules. And when you sell the shares that you have exercised and have held those for at least one year, you get very favorable capital gains rates, tax rates, which are currently either 15 or 20%. If your very income is very low, so even zero. Um, uh, but uh, until a certain threshold of income, it's 15% after the 20%, plus some state and local taxes potentially. State taxes also vary, I think, from zero to 13%. Um, California is, uh, and New York are, are among the highest tax locale, localities. So from, from US perspective, this is incredibly um, attractive um, outcome. It is not available when you exercise right before the company sold because then you sell your shares right away too, you don't meet the one-year holding period and you pay taxes on ordinary income tax rates. Non-qualified stock options are treated a little bit differently. Um, they are taxed on exercise on the difference between uh, fair market value of the shares upon exercise and their exercise price. So if you buy them out for $10 a share and the stock price is $20 at that point for the fair market value, then at the time of exercise, there may be no exit. You, you pay taxes on, on $10 of gain, income gain. And you pay that ordinary income rates, which is up to 37%, um, the top income rates. But plus there are some special taxes on state, local, so social security level. And those all can add up to a fair amount of taxes. Um, I think the California rate here is also the 13%, and there can be a few percent of local plus some special social security taxes. So they add up pretty nicely. Going back to the capital gains rates, I, I underlined they're currently 15 to 20%. Uh, I think it was last week when Joe Biden revealed his uh, kind of tax proposal for, the, for this administration. And they, um, the, the current intent is for those with an income over a million dollars, for that rate to go from 20% um, to about 40%. So is that set in stone? No. And, and with 40% plus 30% uh, state plus some percentage local, you end up being in the 60% range that um, you see in Estonia, I guess. Um, now you think, oh, nobody makes a million dollars, but, but, but think about that. If you exercise um, at the time um, uh, when those options are um, also sold, um, it, it could really, and the, your company has become a unicorn, you could actually make a million dollars that year. You never know, right? So, um, but, but the key, key uh, and as I understand, at least a big difference to Estonia is if you exercise a year or two and you have incentive stock options, you may have no tax whatsoever for um, at, at all. Although you do have to pay an exercise price, which is a difference if you, if you just have a nominal exercise price. So those are the key features of stock options. I mentioned there are alternatives, restricted stock awards. Um, either restricted stock, which are, is a grant of actual shares uh, that are subject to restrictions or forfeiture if you leave before vesting, 
or restricted stock units, uh, the feature which is they turn into actual shares upon vesting. Restricted stock is used by startups in early stages because what the company and the employee can do is upon grant, the employee can pay taxes on the value of those shares when they're granted. And when those shares are granted, um, when the company has just been founded, the value of those shares in the eyes of the IRS, or at least you can convince the IRS, can be very close to zero, meaning that you pay taxes on zero dollars of income that you just got from the company. And then over time, when those restricted shares vest, you do not pay any additional taxes. You pay taxes when you sell the shares. Restricted stock units are uh, somewhat similar, except you, you can't really do an A3B election. But you pay taxes when they vest. So if you get restricted stock units early on when they are not worth anything yet, because the company has been just founded, and then two years go by, the company's value is now $10 million. Your, your, your one share of stock is um, worth about $10 a share. You have 1,000 shares. You suddenly are hit with a $10,000 income tax uh, or $10,000 of gain that you pay income taxes on on those ordinary income tax rates. And that is usually incredibly unattractive. One big difference um, between um, uh, the Baltics, as I understand, at least Estonia and the US is, can you just hold on to those restricted stock units and have them um, kind of turn into shares when the employee wants? And the answer here is, Almost certainly no. The problem is, we, we get back to this deferred compensation issues um, and deferred compensation traps. In the US, when um, if, if you remember Enron scandals, one feature what the executives did, they defer their compensation and took it out later or um, tried to take it out later in order to defer also their taxes. The IRS, the US tax authorities are really cracked down on that. And it is um, very, very, very difficult to defer compensation uh, to a desired time point by employees. So that's why uh, it works for restrict. And uh, let's go to the last slide. I think it's last. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so the, the the incentives like um, restricted stock units. They, they are not often used in startups because they are taxable upon investing and people don't really have time, money at that point to pay the taxes. But it's much more common in mature companies, especially in case of publicly traded companies, because when your RSUs, the restricted stock units, turn into actual shares, you know what those shares are worth and, and even better, those shares can be sold in the public markets and, and to get cash to pay for the taxes on that. In mature companies, RSUs are also another reason why they are used more than options or are used just as much as options, both are used, is that in a startup, options make a lot of sense because when you grant options with a fair market value at the time of grant, of exercise price, the, the, the value of the shares has to increase for those options to be worth anything to you. Um, in a startup, we expect all the shares to increase in value. In a mature company, it's not given that the stock price will just keep going up. It can be just the, the company is happy with the stock price and pays dividends or whatnot. And it's not granted or given at all that the, the stock price keeps just growing. And, and, the, and if you just granted options with the fair market value of the, um, um, uh, the exercise price of fair market value at the time of grant, those options will potentially never make a whole lot of money. Whereas restricted stock units, the feature of those is you get a certain number of shares and they turn into actual shares with, with, with uh, some guaranteed value. You just have to stick around to be there. All right, um, I, I'm exhausting my time. There, there are some other incentives that are used. Um, um, sometimes the vesting is tied to performance um, conditions, uh, stock appreciation rights uh, function pretty much like stock options. Um, some companies use phantom equity, which is not preferred for tax perspective. And I'm not going to go into pass-through entities because that would um, take another um, hour of my of your time um, to explain how U.S. pass-through entities work, which I do not recommend for um, startups, especially foreign owners. All right.
Okay, thank you, Tavi. It was uh, really interesting. And uh, while waiting uh, when my slides get up, uh, really appreciate your comment on RSUs because we have to deal with these uh, all the time in Estonia. And it's, uh, it's quite tricky because uh, to have the tax benefits uh, under Estonian law and for Estonian employees, uh, we have to somehow design those RSUs to fit under Estonian share option definition. And we have the same issue in all the Baltic countries. So it's uh, quite an, an academic exercise all the time. Okay, but uh, giving, uh, provided that we have now seen uh, what the US investor thinks when coming in or how, how the US employees <coughs> would see what would be the normal uh, share option plan. Let's give a short view on the Baltic states as well. I checked the index venture table on the competitiveness uh, of uh, different share option tax regimes. And uh, surprisingly, I found Latvia, Estonia and Lithuania on top of that table. So somehow we have really beneficial uh, uh, regime for share options. And it, indeed, uh, share options are are really commonly used in the Baltics. Uh, I'm really happy about that. I know our tax authorities are really happy, happy about that because uh, it uh, enables Estonian employees to become owners of the company, even if the company goes uh, global. Obviously, these are used by startups to uh, basically pay salaries uh, not in cash, which startups usually do not have, but uh, are paid in, in equity. So in Estonia, for example, uh, salary taxes uh, are more or less 45% uh, of the investment that the investor makes into the company. So if this is an employment heavy company, then 45% of the investment would go to salary taxes, 65 will produce further gain. So it does not sound really normal division of risks and and, um, and contribution between state and investors. So this is how our salary system also supports uh, incentivizing employees with uh, share options. And uh, state also, all the Baltic states uh, provide tax beneficial regimes for paying salaries uh, with share options. So moving to the next slide, I think uh, it will unlock the reason why Baltic states are on top of the competitiveness uh, table of the share option taxation. It's uh, simplicity. After after heard uh, uh, what uh, Tavi said, what kind of uh, share option tax regimes and incentive regimes you have available, available, what kind of requirements must be met for that um, in the Baltic states situation is rather easy. So uh, in all countries, uh, uh, private and public limited companies can, can give share options uh, also for, in Latvia. So this uh, change was made recently, uh, which is um, interesting compared to the US is that uh, uh, when we talk about exercise price, it is quite common that the exercise price, price is zero or something slightly above the zero. Uh, for example, the, the nominal value of the capital increase, which is done when the options are issued. It's, it's not fair market value in, in most of the cases. So in that sense, uh, share options are much more, at least sounds to be much more accessible for employees in, in the politics than in the US, where it's common to, to, uh, to ask employees to pay the exercise price of fair market value. So exercise price is basically like a buy-in price for the employee. And if you don't have the money, then in Estonia, it's quite, uh, quite um, typical that you can afford share options. In the US, it, it may be a problem. And uh, what's the main incentive in the politics uh, in all three countries? If you wait long enough with exercising the share options, uh, you can get the shares without any taxes. In Latvia, it is one year, so it was reduced uh, uh, some time ago uh, from three years, I believe. And in Estonia and uh, Lithuania, it's, it's still three years. So uh, you have to wait for one year if you hold Latvian uh, share option 
or your employee in Latvia who holds share options in Latvian or whatever companies, then you fall under Latvian tax regime. And if you wait one year, it's, uh, it's uh, exempt from uh, taxes upon exercise. So, yeah, as you can see, Latvia has, um, has uh, got the lead in the politics, at least from the tax benefits side. But uh, happily, Estonia is considering also some, or at least the community is considering to propose some changes. And I got uh, some ideas from uh, Tavi's presentations where we can get the lead again in Estonia or Latvia. And uh, yeah, as it is uh, in the US, uh, then upon the sale of shares, we have uh, the, the normal capital gains tax. Now, um, the issues we face when the US um, investors or new owners come in does not occur usually when the old Estonian uh, stock option plans are kept. So uh, there may, may be questions about option pool, uh, tax risks to be mitigated, but that's more or less it. But the problems usually start when uh, the option plans are rolled over from Estonian uh, plans to the US plans, and, and then it gets really interesting. So uh, from the last slide, I have made a small uh, table on that, which should um, which should uh, demonstrate where the where the difficulties kick in. So uh, please put on the last slide. Um, yeah, the most common issue we have seen in Estonia, and I understand from colleagues that also in other Baltic states, is that uh, if the plans are are rolled over, then uh, usually these are rolled over to RSUs or some performance stock units. So what we have to do in, in the Baltics is somehow try to fit the RSUs and PSUs and all other stuff under the definitions of share options we have here in the Baltics because we don't basically use other types of, of uh, equity-based incentive schemes here. Phantom options are sometimes used, but these are taxed salaries, so not much point to use these. And obviously we have this free year uh, exercise rule because of the tax exemption period in the US, as we heard, it often can be four years. So again, we have to change the terms of the option plans and it raises again questions uh, whether you can do it without triggering the restart of the waiting period for, for tax exempt exercise and what other difficulties it may bring. And, and basically this relates to also the, the, the think that we have to somehow accommodate RSUs under our share option definitions. And uh, yeah, I think the most practical issue we, sh we see is uh, exchange of exercise price from zero to, to fair market value. So, so this is uh, really something which can make uh, options or at least exercising the options uh, less available for, for employees. And uh, yeah, setting aside maybe the technical stuff like uh, having formal requirements to, uh, to to sign the option agreements in a specific way like in Estonia we have digital signature requirement uh, in the US I believe it's it's more flexible so that's yet again another issue we have to usually deal how to sort of um, uh, organize the grant of options and also rollover so that we meet all those uh, those formal signing requirements. And uh, besides that, we have very practical questions like how to be clear waters with the taxation, tax risks, which quite often leads to asking questions from tax board, which can stop the arrangements for sometimes for Estonia. If you ask binding ruling, you have to wait for it for two months. So this is something you have to build in uh, your team time, uh, deal timeline and then which can make employees sometimes uh, anxious when they wait uh, the exercise and then sale or cashing out their share options. Okay, so uh, that is uh, sort of a bird eye view on the Baltic side, how we see uh, share options and, and, um, and uh, how, how simple the taxation is from, uh, from our side. Now, uh, <clears throat> Uh, 
it would be appropriate now to go to the panel discussion uh, and, and uh, discuss over some topics to try to uh, sort of uh, find and understand where the key uh, pain points are which we need to handle and uh, how the US side would see uh, how we would handle this. And in, in this panel, I would welcome again Tavi, quite obviously. And uh, we have also uh, Janis Taukas, who is a um, tax partner of Sorain in, in, uh, in Latvian office and also our regional uh, head of our tax group. So, Janis, um, uh, uh, can you hear us? Everything is well? Yeah, thank you. Hello. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Team was off yesterday, some global issues, so just checking, checking to be sure. Okay, so um, going on with the discussion uh, and, and the topics, Janis, um, uh, maybe coming to you first, uh, um, and then which concerns the Baltic startups the most and then tech companies the most, I guess, is uh, what has your experience been? What are the worst? Uh, case studies you have encountered with share options and tax issues uh, when US investors kick in and then you have to deal with this somehow and then what the lessons have been from that. Yes, Kaido. Uh, thanks. Uh, I, I think uh, if you, uh, on the face it seems very simple but if you want to get rid of the very complex uh, US tax uh, issues that uh, Tavi just told us about, uh, then uh, basically what you need, you need uh, to have employees really working in the Baltics and then you have tax treaty protection that those uh, people will be taxed in the Baltics, not in the US. So we are then uh, looking at the uh, Baltic uh, tax in incentives and uh, on the share options and uh, if, if uh, we look at uh, the, for example, Latvian share option scheme possibilities and tax restrictions here are basically just two two main rules that you have to apply. That first of all, like uh, Kaido just told, that you need uh, to have this one year vesting period. And the second main rule is that you need to register those uh, uh, share option plans with the tax authorities. So uh, on the face, it's very simple, but still we have seen that on those cases uh, uh, that, that uh, our clients are, are coming up with, uh, we, we even with those uh, simple rules, the clients are really struggling and, uh, not, uh, and at the end of the day, we have seen uh, cases where those uh, tax incentives were not really applied and all the big payroll, uh, payroll taxes were paid. And as uh, one of such cases, I would highlight uh, that uh, Latvian employees were uh, having U.S. stock options and uh, stock option plans, and one U.S. Co company sold the company to the other U.S. Uh, big group, and uh, uh, the, uh, there was a payout to the employees. And, and uh, uh, as a result of such takeover, the uh, uh, shares were sold sooner than within the three-year period that we previously also had in Latvia. Now this one-year period is only, only effective from the 1st of January this year. So uh, in, in that case, obviously this didn't work out. And the other case I've seen is that the uh, company just uh, held options for three years, but didn't uh, register this, uh, these options with the tax authorities. And I, I would highlight that the registration of the share options uh, can uh, be with uh, the uh, tax authorities for, for uh, share option scheme, either with the Latvian company or somewhere else in the whole world within the group of the company. So, and, and the, it, it can be applied even if there is no Latin company, but uh, even if, if there is no permanent establishment, but uh, if there are employees, for example, in Latvia of the US company, still this can work. So these are, these are the problems that uh, I have seen in practice. Yeah. Thank you, Alice. And I have to ask, uh, if you don't comply those tax rules in Latvia, can, can you go to jail or not? <laughs> uh, well, uh, 
uh, this, I, I, I don't think you, you can normally because it, in, in such cases, uh, really, uh, you, uh, I, I can. I have seen cases where uh, the, uh, especially in the IT sector, where the local companies have done some very aggressive uh, uh, things from the tax point of view. But uh, currently, the local tax authorities have been very, uh, very uh, sort of say mild, although the uh, threshold of unpaid taxes for criminal liability is comparably low. Twenty-five thousand euros of unpaid taxes uh, uh, still I, I haven't seen any anything uh, aggressive from the uh, authorities unless there is a real intent in uh, doing so and, and that has uh, to be proven of course mm. and Toby can I ask uh, your comment uh, if, if you were advising US investors and then coming into those case studies uh, Janis described uh, what are your suggestions, feelings, and do you see already deal breakers here or, or solutions? So, um, I don't think any of this will ever be a deal breaker. Um, if a US investor likes the company, they will view this as a um, um, human resource management issue, uh, first and foremost in terms of the goal of the investor is to make sure that the company is doing great and the way for the company to great is keep their employees motivated uh, and employees happy. Um, it's in nobody's interest whatsoever to uh, cause uh, bad tax outcomes if those can be avoided. Um, from U.S. perspective, I, I think the challenge here is that the goal for the advisors on both sides are to, in, is to explain to the business people why those equity incentives have to work differently in the Baltic states. Once you get through that hurdle, you can, you can take the discussion to the next level. Okay, what does it mean? Are we treating those employees fairly compared to the other um, group um, employees, potentially if they're employees in, in multiple places in the US and, and in Estonia or Latvia, Latvia. Are we treating them fairly? Are, are we giving them something that everybody should get or are we giving them too much? But at that point, it's no longer kind of a legal discussion. It's much more of a discussion among human resources professionals who have to figure out what is the right compensation package, taking into account that the equity incentives look a little bit differently. Um, I, I have never seen issues like this become a deal breaker, but 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 definitely it requires extra work, and and that, that's where like I have a very limited ability to advise the U.S. Um, uh, U.S. clients about what those options should look like in Estonia, because I'm not qualified to do that in Estonia. So the the, the burden there is really on the local Estonian council. Um, from the investor perspective, the easiest by far is to say everybody in those countries has to get exactly the same as everybody in the US. And the investor says, yeah, this is all standard. We all understand what works. Um, but if that's not feasible, then we have to go into those next step discussions. Um, uh, I, I don't have like a great solution to this. I, I think this, this is a discussion that um, needs to transform from a legal to a human resources or, or kind of people management discussion what is the right compensation package, taking into account what is feasible. Mm. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, it was really interesting point that um, it, it can fall to Estonian advisors to sort of find solution in some peculiar details. So, if I would ask from you that uh, you, you come with a client who buys Estonian company, uh, wants to roll over Estonian options to share RSUs, Mm -hmm. in the US company and we know, now must fit those RSUs under share option definition in Estonia and then we build a construct saying that uh, that uh, the employee gets the RSUs but has a right to uh, refuse to accept those or give back or something like that. Mm -hmm. So this is this is what we have to do in Estonia to yeah. somehow be able. So do you sort of tolerate that or what your client would do? Go crazy or work towards it? So the first reaction of the client is uh, no way, right? I mean, th this is like a basic 409A issue. We can't do it. 
because uh, this is deferred comp rules and, and you, you, you get hit immediately with 20% excise tax plus immediate taxation of all your income, whatnot. But, but, but then th that's kind of the, maybe the first reaction that, uh, and I had this recently uh, discussion with Investor Council where they were like, oh, so how do, how do your options work in Estonia? I explained, in that case, we really tried to just fit them under U.S. rules, and, and it, it worked. The assuming options actually can work as U.S. rules work. So, um, but, but then the first reaction after that is, well, they are not U.S. taxpayers. Why would we care? Why would we care about deferred compensation rules? Because they're never going to pay those taxes because they're not U.S. taxpayers, as Yanni said, right? They remain Estonian, uh, Latvian, Lithuanian taxpayers. And... Um, if we don't create an issue under uh, Estonian, Latvian, Lithuanian taxes for them, it should not be that big of a deal. Um, at that point, I would have to just explain um, with, a, with the help of you know, the, the local council to the acquirer or the investor, well, this is the best we can do. Um, the, the one difference is kind of the exercise price, the RSU difference. Uh, the other thing is, well, then they will say, well, in U.S., sir, because stock options, um, I, I guess if, if in U.S. everybody gets stock options, but that's not the case here. Um, why, why, do, why do the Estonians get a nominal exercise price? I mean, but that's the people management discussion. Why would Estonian employees have the right to defer their um, tax hit where the U.S. employees cannot do it? Um, but again, that's a, that, that's a HR discussion. Say, well, in Estonia, we just have to do it because otherwise... They, the company gets hit by 60% tax, and then uh, the, every business people, uh, business person will say, I don't want to get a 60% tax hit, right? Yeah, sounds logical. <laughs> yeah, it was actually a really interesting point about equal treatment of Estonian and US employees, and uh, as it may uh, hit quite of a surprise sometimes, uh, as we have... Uh, have maybe a practice of having lower exercise price in the politics and fair market value exercise price in, in the US, it raises a question how um, whether equal treatment laws can get in and whether employees should have this insurance you were talking about earlier. So Janis, what is, uh, what is your experience? What is the common practice about the exercise prices in the politics? Are those uh, rather zero uh, nominal value or something higher? Well, I, th I, th I think mostly it's uh, quite similar to Estonia, so that uh, the employees really get uh, either zero or, or very nominal price uh, for, for exercising. And then once they uh, sell, uh, get the shares and then sell the shares, then they are uh, paying 20% uh, tax on capital gains, so that's that's the whole benefit. So I I, I wouldn't say we we have uh, any different approach. Yeah, it sounds really like like Estonia. I guess it's driven also from tax part because yeah, we don't have anything related to fair market value either from grant or exercise like it is in in the UK, for instance, where we have those EMIs and so on. Okay, but uh, Tavi, can you comment my my uh, uh, my question I had so about this um, equal treatment? Whether it would be actually an issue if Estonian employees have different exercise price than than U.S. employees under the same plan? Maybe this is something I, I you have to be insured so, as against. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, being uh, located in Estonia versus U.S. is should not be a ground for um, a differential treatment claim. Um, it, it, it could cause a more of a um, management issue. I mean, the US employees may be unhappy if Estonian gets a different benefit or better benefit, but, um, but, but the systems are so different. There, there are other things that are different as well, and that has never, in my experience, given rise to a big legal concern. I mean, U.S. employees don't have the benefits that Estonian employees do. Estonian employees can be fired only on certain grounds and they get severance payments. U.S. employees are at will. There are many, many, many differences in the employment systems and that usually, I have not seen that come an issue, become an issue. Yet. 
Okay, great. I'm, I'm happy to hear that because yeah, if Estonians uh, would have to start pay fair market value all the time, it can it can get tricky. <laughs> I mm-hmm. can assume. Okay, uh, Janis, coming back to you, um, and and I think it would be our last discussion point. Um, Based on your experience and then from this discussion, what do you think, what uh, what local companies, startups, tech companies can do better with their share options to be prepared for having US uh, new owner and uh, having the new plan to which the old plan will be rolled over and uh, facing the issues. So what can be done better to be prepared? Well, it's a very broad question, but uh, definitely I, I think uh, that uh, uh, judging from my experience, I, I can see that uh, the if if the Latin uh, businesses or Baltic businesses want want to look for uh, bigger foreign investors, they have to do their homework and and uh, and prepare the companies that um, everything they do is is by the book and and. Uh, there are no local problems uh, with the taxation like we have seen that uh, uh, sometimes it has been almost a deal breaker that the local tax structuring has been so aggressive that basically the tax uh, guys who are advising the foreign investor are scratching their noses and and, and thinking what to do with this uh, and, uh, and 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 really Raising some issues, uh, not only eyebrows uh, regarding the uh, possible criminal liability and, and and these kind of stuff. So, the, the, this is one. Um, the other is is uh, look for opportunities. Currently, I, I think uh, there is a big unrealized potential of using these uh, share options in the in the local markets, and uh, so the the companies can be uh, much more successful in using these uh, share options incentives. There are special incentives for startups uh, now made much broader in Latvia uh, since September last year, where uh, basically in uh, if uh, if uh, to a special counsel, the the innovation has been proven uh, that uh, then uh, the, there's a possibility of only 10% payroll taxes, which is huge uh, benefit to currently, but not uh, very popular for, for some reason. I think for a reason that uh, the startups were, were uh, actually uh, have uh, an obligation to have a venture, a venture capital investment, which is not a, ma- a mandatory requirement now for applying these uh, uh, tax incentives. So, and and and, and uh, from from beginning of this year, there there are different uh, classes of shares available on uh, for uh, limited liability companies. So, I, I I think just just look around and use uh, the existing uh, opportunities, and and uh, and then many can be more successful. Thank you, Anis. And then Tavi, what thoughts you have about? Uh, or what recommendations can you give for Estonian startups, like one or two, how to be more prepared for, for this uh, US investor coming with their own share option scheme and, and now when you have heard our issues? Um, I wish I had an easy answer because you have to juggle your Estonian rules already and anticipating a potential US investor or US acquirer um, when the acquirer can come from anywhere, it can come from Sweden or UK or Finland or whatnot, or from other Baltic place, places. Um, I, I think what helps most in my experience, and that doesn't only relate to stock options, is as lo- I mean, be as clear as you can under the local rules that you have done everything right. Don't leave um, there room for interpretation that you may have done it wrong even under local rules. So, for example, if you have a, um, an opportunity to get the Estonian or Latvian-Lithuanian tax authority ruling on something that you already have in place, and it takes two months, get it, um, even before you start some sort of a process, that, that, uh, to make sure that everything that you already have is done right. 
because that avoids at least one discussion is like, well, we don't know even if these were done right, so we don't know what to even do with them. Maybe we have to fix something and we don't want to fix something because then that creates a, pays, draws attention to the tax authorities. So we don't want to go for, um, uh, for a ruling on something else uh, when we want to roll over. And frankly, that's not only a stock option question. As long as you comply very clearly with your local rules, the investor acquirer will come in with their own local council and they can confirm that, yeah, this company has done everything by the book, they've done it really well. It makes the further discussion just so much easier uh, on how to deal with transferring or transforming the locally acceptable options to a foreign plan. Um, I would not worry too much at this point about granting those options that are already compliant with some imaginary or uh, hypothetical U.S. acquisition or industry. Okay, thank you, David, for those comments. Um, yeah, we have now coming to, to the end of our panel discussion, so I would really want to thank our participants and Janis and Taukas and Taujanus about the, the discussion, it was really interesting. Um, and uh, I was honored to give a closing words uh, also to the event. So uh, this has also uh, come to an end now. I would really want to thank you for the participation. I hope uh, it was interesting for you and you found some tips at least to look out for when you go to the US and you know that it may sometimes not be as easy as you think and pre be always prepared for surprises. So this is uh, this is one takeaway for me at least. Um, uh, if there were any unanswered questions, uh, then uh, we will revert with our answer, answers later on. And then don't be worried that this will be answered. But otherwise, um, I wish you a pleasant evening. And don't forget, today is International Dance Day. So uh, feel free to go dance and I wish you a pleasant dance with your US investors and, and uh, tax and legal environment around that. Thank you and have a nice evening.